The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. Welcome to another episode of Hanging with the Hitman. I'm Todd Gilbert. And I am Brett Fortney, the Hitman. Man, yeah, sometimes, you know, adulting gets in the way of fun, and we had to uh, <sighs> take a break for a week. But, uh, but you know, if I knew when I was 16 and in such a hurry to be a grown-up what adulting was really going to be, I'd have been like, chill down, Todd. Don't worry. Don't be in a rush. Mix- <laughs> and then and then mix in there that age thing where i'm almost mm-hmm. 57 years old and every morning i feel like i'm about 69 75 dang is what i feel like every morning i gotta take some motrin first you know you yeah. gotta you know you got your prep you got your morning routine and your morning medication at the beginning of it it's, you go do you go to mcdonald's and get your senior coffee I was actually thinking we could probably do that now. Maybe we could like share that and yeah. maybe share a hash brown, share just, a hash brown. You know, just I mean? a half of one. You know, no, you just get half each and share, <laughs> split it right down the middle, and ask for a knife to you know cut it. And, and then you, and then we can go to the park and watch the birds. You know, yes, yeah, <laughs> fulfilling, yeah, a fulfilling morning. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> today uh i've seen a couple posts of people talking about uh this subject and just this band o- overall recently and today we're going to be talking all about the beatles and uh particular uh, one subject we're going to touch on is are they in fact overrated something that oh, that, that that we could go see. off on for three hours but we won't i promise but before we get to that uh, I think it is time for our album of the week recommendation, and we're turning that over this time to the Hitman, as I did the first one. Okay. So okay. lay me, us lay on us it, lay it on us. Let me get this let me get this ready real quick. I was at a different angle than I was a few minutes ago. Okay, so uh, I think it was maybe earlier last year, uh, mid last year, like twenty two or whatever. I started recognizing that all this Tom Petty wildflower stuff was coming out. You know, like oh, and the then reissues? You remember when, yeah, the reissues. Mm-hmm. And then, so, and then was this, years get mixed up with me, but when Record Store Day happened and this came out, which is the Tom Petty and the uh, Heartbreakers Angel Dream album, which were kind of like songs that were recorded for that uh, movie, She's the One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in which all these songs were recorded around the same time. And, uh, right. And so what I'm talking about, though, is this 
Wildflowers is the one that I have here with it's called Wildflowers and all the rest. Produced but it's by- still not complete if you don't have the the one and only Rick Rubin. Yes. He always brings out the best in people, I feel. But anyway, um, this version, there's so many different different variations of this. But first of all, the, the album just by itself has, I think, like 16 songs on it, maybe. Yeah. Um, just in it, you know, by itself. Um, right. But on this one, you get all the rest, which are 10 more songs that were just left off for some mm-hmm. reason that probably were good enough, but just didn't have enough room. They want to make a triple album or whatever. But so, um, and then on top of that, I've been doing some like uh, researching and it's a little confusing, but I'm trying to get the best pos- possible version for my next box set thing. Of, I just want to get the the most that I can, but I don't want to get doubles of anything anymore. You know, because I always end up getting doubles. So, so what, I've ordered... Wasn't... Um, wasn't um... You don't know how it feels from that album, from Wildflowers. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. What were yes, the What were was. the single What were the yeah. singles off of that? Uh, you wreck me was on there. Oh, it's good to be king. Oh, it's all called it's good to be king. Yep. Um, and then another one that you might know called Honey Bee, which is oh, kind of oh yeah, uh, uh, it's really fun. Um, and then um, uh, let me think. Um. Maybe crawling back to you might have been a single. I don't remember, but, but I know those, those, those other those three were big three ones. For sure. Yeah, those are big singles. Yeah, and <clears throat> and that doesn't mean that there wasn't enough like good songs to have more singles because I don't really remember. I should have looked it up before we did this. Well, well, also but, the amount of singles doesn't necessarily doesn't, yeah. mean anything because there no. are back in the day people used to make albums that every song was just as good as the singles on the radio and no 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 wait wait i know hey, i know i know don't be crazy what <laughs> no you're lying to me what day is this <laughs> this backwards day it's it backwards day is a joke, it, it, it's yeah. a joke. no uh, <laughs> But you know, you look at <laughs> Michael Jackson's Michael Jackson's Thriller, for example. Every single song yeah. on that album, and we've talked about it before. Every single song could have been a top uh, ten single. You know what I mean? Only two that weren't were could have been. Yeah, they were both Rod Temperton songs. The ones that were left as non singles on that album were both Rod Temperton songs. Mm-hmm. Rod Temperton doesn't write bad songs, and they are both great. One's a ballad, and I feel like it was like the best vocal of all time by him. But whatever. We're not talking about it. But, yeah, but no, yeah, I, I, what, yeah, I totally agree with you that Wildflowers is just, it's an amazing record. And it's, and what I like the, about it is <clears throat> kind of like what I like about the Pearl Jam Yield album. Wildflowers has this yes. rawness to it. It's not overproduced. Uh-huh. There's not a bunch of like frills and stuff like that. It's just a straight up rock band in a room making a record you know what i mean can i just say this that i just thought of this and two people are great there's not any way i'm taking away from either one of them i feel like in a way thinking about it uh rick rubin is the opposite dave david foster yeah <laughs> you know where you get emotion they both have emotional music i yeah. just listen i'm sorry yeah i listen to celine dion's all by myself that end part Gave me goosebumps. It's a great, you know it's mean? a great that's single. That music. 
they're both able to bring out um and rick rubin is for that you know he can take the bare bones of what music is and still make you feel something i mean you know there's different music that makes you feel you know different reasons because of the symphony coming in over here but you know basically rick rubin makes you feel something with basic uh, instruments and and not a lot of fluff yeah i mean he got he got black sabbath their first grammy you know and the black sabbath yeah the 13 won a grammy yeah 13 yeah yeah. and that and that album is that that album's incredible and i mean all the chili peppers stuff like my favorite two chili peppers my favorite two chili peppers Mm -hmm. albums are rick rubin blood sugar sex magic californication like yeah yeah all like yeah like you said all the johnny cash stuff um eminem's marshall mathers lp2 which is my favorite eminem album that's rick rubin like yeah he's amazing he really is yeah but yeah Yeah. so our album of the week go and uh stream it download it buy it i know it's a weird concept um i'm just gonna say i'm gonna say though this this one right here when you can find it on sale it's the um the five it's three records in here it's the first album just the album by itself takes up two um records just because there's 16 songs just on the album wildflowers but then there's a third one that has all the rest so it feels like when you say when you have all the rest on there um, it just feels like all of these just it just it, that's what this album should be is this. Yeah. But they do have, like I said, different different versions. There's a alternate takes one. There's a box that has the one that I got coming that has like uh uh demos and, and then some live tracks and that kind of stuff and whatever. But that's what I'm getting and I just thought about that. I thought this was I've been listening to this this week and that's why I thought that could be a album that we would talk about this week so there you go Tom yep. petty wildflowers i think it came out in 95 94 somewhere around that it's a great album it really is i'm done so get <laughs> so get so get yourself a copy today man get on amazon and buy uh, it go to your local record store and get it uh you can stream it and make sure tom petty's estate gets no money um you know do, or you know let you, do the cool mm-hmm. thing and support they have it. a for some reason, different copies of this is on. They're on sale on Amazon right now. That's why I bought the box set thing because they're on sale. So that makes it okay. But yeah, I bought that on sale. So on you Amazon. Could so well, yeah, um, yeah. The fifty dollars CD box set I'm getting for thirty. So nice. you know what I mean. So okay. yeah, Tom Petty's Wildflowers officially our album of the week. Yes. So there we are. And hey, yeah. Todd, you know what time it is? What time, what is, time it? it is it? Is it sippy it's time? It's time for a sippy sip. It's sippy time. Sippy we got to get, get our drink right. One second. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me get my... Let me, you got it? I might, I might slurp a little bit. Hold on. <laughs> Today's show... Brought to you courtesy by, uh, powered by vitamin water and uh, the Circle water bottles. Let me tell you, I've had this thing for years, a couple years now. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember when you got it. Steel one, but it's it's got it helps me drink so much more water because you're supposed to drink a lot of water. Um, yes, 
And it's like healthy flavor cartridges that you put in the top of the bottle and your water goes through the cartridge and flavors your water while you're drinking it. Nice. At I Walmart think this has rate, it now. Yeah. Oh, Walmart does? Mm-hmm. Um, I drink Powerade because originally when it came out, it was cheaper than Gatorade. So oh, that's it's Powerade. I, I thought it was vitamin water you were drinking. It's Powerade. Okay. No, it's I drink Powerade. Um, oh, nice. But it actually, Not not yet. But um <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't want to be a sponsor. I just like it a lot though. Um Powerade, I drink the zero because of the no I don't need the sugar or whatever. Right. But it's way less salty than the competitor that you might have I'm not gonna even mention that name. Right. But the, the competitor that might be more popular popular than them. But so yeah, we I do drink one of those a day because I sweat a lot, bro. And unlike the competitor, and unlike the competitors, according to the commercials anyway, Powerade doesn't make you sweat weird colors, you know. <clears throat> Does it do that? No. Huh. In the but commercials, no, I mean, they do. It's weird. Uh, that's funny. I do one of those a day just because I do sweat a lot of times through the night. I have the night sweats. Not too bad. Only if the cat is on one side and a big pillow is on the other. Then, then I sweat, man. But, you know, so... I need to, you know, regain my electrolyte. So I do one of those a day. It's what plants crave. It's important. Uh, is it? It is. I didn't, so, I didn't know you were such a horticulturist. I mean, you know, you know, a little bit. <laughs> you know, I got a green thumb sometimes. No, not really. But uh, <clears throat> moving on, though, to <clears throat> the main event of today's moving episode. On. So... I've seen oh, through the years, many, many, many times, people dogging on the Beatles because they don't think that they're that big of a deal. They think they're overrated. They don't think they were that influential. And it's kind of the popular thing to be like, oh, the Beatles are overrated. They're not that great. You know, it's like it's like the people that say that Metallica hasn't done anything good since Cliff Burton, which we've talked about before. They're trying to come off as edgy and whatever. But at the end of the day, like as a music, like as a musician and also a humongous fan of music, like we both are, I just, I don't understand. I, I, I look at so many artists that go back and directly credit them as their huge influence. You go back and you look at people like Dave Grohl or Kurt Cobain, um, people like, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and U2 and David Bowie and all these humongous legends all say they were inspired to be musicians because of the freaking Beatles. You know, Billy Joel, Billy Joel says that all the time. Billy Joel says he never would have been a musician if he wasn't for the Beatles. You know, okay. Here's the thing I'm thinking about here. While you're saying that, I'm thinking about this. My my back in the day when my grandparents, you know, in the fifties when Elvis came on and they saw it, you know, they're like, he's not going to be anybody, and he's just, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. And I think they were afraid of it because it was newer music to their mm-hmm. generation, you know. Sure. So and so the next thing that the next thing that kind of shook it up like that was the Beatles right yeah so then with that you get people that were of their age or younger which other people that are coming up them other people are kind of you know they're getting older and, and they're going to stick with their 
you know, in the mode of mm-hmm. Glenn Miller stuff, you know. But this new generation, the new generation had this new sound, and everybody within that 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 age group of let's say twenty one to twenty five, maybe and under and younger even, you know, because they attracted kids too. So uh, everybody in that time frame watching the Ed Sullivan show and list on it are going to be influenced one way or another. And if they see mm-hmm. there's not one person that I know that have came up in that time period that have not said that the Ed Sullivan show experience was what made them be a musician. And we're talking about yeah. very famous people here. Very famous people here. Ozzy mm-hmm. is one of them. Yeah, you know, and they were pioneers in so many things that we hear today that we don't, maybe a lot of people don't realize, which is fine because time has gone by so far, but a lot of the things in rock music or just music in general, a lot of that was pioneered by them. You know, yeah, Yeah. it was, it was started by, you know, Sun Studios and Elvis taking music that Elvis grew up with, like they show in the, in the film, um, you know, black blues and R and B and stuff like that. And kind of making it into what started to become rock and roll, you know, but then the Beatles took that and amplified it even more and got more experimental and got more, um, I guess proficient with it, I guess you could say, but like, mm-hmm. well, <clears throat> but like, you know, people that say, Oh, Ringo's not that great of a drummer to hell with that. Ringo's freaking amazing because yeah. a lot of the, the stuff that you hear him do, nobody did before him. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, That's there were some jazz musicians that threw around stuff like that, but in modern rock and pop music, you never heard stuff like that. And then Ringo came along mm-hmm. and and played what he felt fit the tune, and you get what became rock drumming. You See know? what that is? Yeah, he 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 did. Um, sometimes he would do fills just as the beat of the song. The whole song would mm-hmm. be just like a fill of a song, but that's what he felt that the song needed. And if it was a Paul or John song, then if they thought that that was what, because there's sometimes too where there'd be something that they was they weren't feeling, and you know Ringo would say, let's you know kind of maybe speed it up a little bit, or he would make suggestions, and then the song you hear now would have a total different song because Ringo started doing this drum beat in one of them, and I think you can hear it actually on one of the anthologies is. Strawberry Fields. Oh, there's, yeah. There's like demos on there where he's actually talking. He's almost doing like a, um, like a death march. I don't mm-hmm. know. If that's not like it's a march, but the yeah. it's like weird. Kind of thing he's doing it's that weird. in Strawberry Fields. It's very weird. And then he changes it and then, then it's good. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he did that. I don't know. You know, he just did have a different style. He proficiency. I mean, technically, he wasn't the best drummer probably he was left-handed he would always come over and do this kind of thing and probably but, i mean there's i don't some, know it's just there's it some style there's some great left-handed drummers though phil collins carter buford i mean yeah 
but also I mean and and you but also people ahead, will sorry. will will say things you know because Ringo's not doing a bunch of tricks and crazy crap all the time that he's not a good drummer and that's a common misconception from even people that are musicians sometimes it's not about how fast yeah. or how complex or how weird or how whatever you can play it's serving the song that exists it's playing what is needed for the song it's not about what a lot of us call musical masturbation where you're like oh look i can play seven i can play 85 notes in this five seconds nobody cares that that you, am... you cannot you cannot find in my opinion a time um a longevity like that lasted you know that's still amazing 20 years from now a single that is so was so huge and so big where it's where it's played like that you're never gonna find that <clears throat> like a good you're friend not. of mine a good friend oh. of mine always used to say there ain't no money past the fifth fret you know <laughs> like true it's um, it's about the serving thing- what the song needs at the moment and to me a, the sign of a great drummer is being able to sit back in that pocket or in that groove and not necessarily even do a bunch of drum fills or anything but what they're doing defines the song still you know what i mean yeah well I, yeah and a very good representation of what you're saying i'll give you two songs one of them would be tomorrow never knows mm. if you put a regular drum beat to that song it wouldn't sound right you know mm-hmm. it almost doesn't sound right now but it's good but it's right. good but it, it, the drum there for uh I'm trying to think of a four on the floor could but actually still, work with that but, song. But. but even though even though it's an awkward beat, it's still consistent. Yes. You know what I mean? It's still a you groove. I mean? It's just in a weird different and, time, you know. And they would throw him off too a lot with writing songs like All You Need Is Love is in probably one of the most weird time signature songs. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. It sounds like a <laughs> waltz for a minute that it changes, changes back. But so he always just fit the song and there's no way that a guy that was technically trained or only had in his brain, this is how you do things, would be able to do what he did. Right. He was the man with that. He they all just fit together very well. That's you know, they all fit together well. And they were chemistry all the best musician, but all of no. them together made them great. But chemistry is huge, you know. And I mean, I'd say out of all of them, Paul is probably the most, um, the best musician as far as like instruments and stuff. Because Paul played literally every instrument, you know what I mean? But um, they were all prolific songwriters. They all sang. They all, you know, I, I guess I just, like, I understand that the generations of like the last couple generations, the Beatles, maybe not be a band they like or something or stuff that they enjoy, which is totally fine yeah. and understandable. Right. Like there's, there's music that comes out right now that I would rather, you know, slam my wiener in the door than listen to. But like, yeah. but, but that's just because it's not for my gender. It's not my music. You know what I mean? That's what I've always said. I've always <laughs> said this. I have said, and okay because there's two kind of ways you can look at this for number one i feel like people have 
a time period where the music that is out at the time and played on popular radio to sell records for the mass, you know, for, you know, the record labels to make money and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That, that age, that age group, I feel would be about from like 15 to about 25. That's right there. Mm -hmm. Maybe 30 ish, maybe 30. Cause that's when things started to kind of change with me too. 30 started getting me into the nineties and music had changed. And there's a lot more hip hop and a lot more Atlanta and that kind yeah. of stuff. And it just didn't impress, you know, just didn't impress me not much. I, I'm not the, right, the biggest, I you know, like, you, like, you know, like, you know, I'm not the biggest Jermaine Dupree fan, mm-hmm. but for other reasons, I'm just <laughs> joking. But anyway, so your music is to about, 15 to 30 you got about 15 years of your era now you mm-hmm. like the era that your mom and dad played when you were a kid so you like that old stuff still yeah but this new stuff coming up you don't understand it doesn't matter what generation you're you're coming up in it's always going to be different because people are changing the way music is heard and because you got to evolve to stay yeah. relevant and fresh you have to evolve so that's what music does so once start, music starts evolving you're like I don't like change. I like my music to sound like this. And that's when the new generation of kids come up and hear that new stuff on the radio. And it's just a progression. And that's why we don't like the new stuff because it's not our music anymore. That's how I've always thought about it. And that's what I, that's, it's not our music and that's fine. But, you know, um, still, can I just ask a question? Like, how are you supposed to dance to that? That's all I'm asking. Yeah, you, but, and, and but how, people don't always want to dance. I mean, but they don't want to dance. Maybe they're going to come up with another dance that's just a little less movement. Because yeah. that's what it seems to be. Just a little less movement. I mean, doing this is fine with them now. This is yeah, all they the, need this, to do, man. This is the slow side, the slow side to side shuffle, you know. But when you do all this. But but you know for me. <laughs> I've there's you always get the people that like grew up with a certain kind of music or studied a certain kind of music or went to school for it or whatever. And they always get on this thing of, well, it's just not a good song and it's not well written and it's not, you know, this is just crap and blah, blah, blah. And like to a degree, I, I think everybody gets like that and whatever, but like, I honestly, Mm -hmm. there's no wrong way to make a song. If you make a song and it reaches people, it's a song. It could be a guy mumbling over a beat for five minutes with a chorus that you can sort of understand the lyrics. But yes, if it gets, but if it becomes hugely popular and people love it, is that not a song? Is that not, is it not important? You know what I mean? It, it may not reach me, but it reaches somebody. And isn't that what music's supposed to be about in the first place? Think so. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you know, putting all that into the question of them being relevant and them being um, the Beatles being a big deal and influential. I think when you combine all that, the answer is yes. I think they are. They (laughs) they are a very important and not overrated band in the grand scheme of the history of stuff, because I think when people use the term overrated, what they're, what a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are meaning they just don't like the songs. Right. 
But that right. that um, isn't that isn't relevant to the argument, in my opinion. For sure. Uh, what I was I don't about, like Barry Manilow that um, much, but you're not going to tell me he isn't influential. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, next time. You know, you at the CD shop if you can look for. There's a couple reissues of the Barry Manilow stuff I wanted to get. I'm <laughs> serious, but anyway, <laughs> I'm serious. Some of the early stuff. Mm-hmm. But here's what another just what I'm trying to say is, is that when when I was, I don't know, I, three, four years old, you know, my mom had the 45 of, I don't remember if this was the A side or B side, but P.S. I love you, which was one of the early 63 ish, yeah. 64, 63 ish songs. Yeah. And so from then from there. I found that this this 45 that had this, I don't even think I could read, but the same thing was on this other record over here that had these guys on the front where it was like black and just their faces and stuff. And that was my mom's record. So I, I got to listen to Meet the Beatles for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. through and I played records when I was very young. So, you know, they were just, you know, that album, I didn't really know much more about them. But then I started back, you know, because I liked what my mom liked. So... I started listening to some of the stuff that my friends had, the red and the blue albums and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just decided, like, there's not any way possible that these eight years had all these great songs. They were so every not well. Okay, there's a couple, but mostly I, I enjoy almost every song on every album except for number nine. I could probably get rid of that one. Because mm, that's that, not even a song. It's not even a song. But when, but you, no, start, when, you, that, but when uh, you start letting your girlfriend influence your band, uh, your, your songwriting, oh, that, oh. that kind of stuff happens. That sounds like a whole nother topic we could talk on. But Oh, we'll get there. Because I got, but Yoko, you know, no, but Yoko was, uh, you know, actually Paul says good things about her now, weirdly. And I, well, yeah, you know, now he's old. He like, he, he's old and rich and doesn't care anymore. So, you know. Yeah, like, he don't care. That, like, money's, that, money's, that money's been figured out, you know. Right. And I just want to say, like, <laughs> side note, too, since I'm, wearing this sh- since I'm wearing this shirt, I might as well say that in 1985 is when Michael outbid Mike, uh, Paul McCartney with for the songs. For forty-seven point five million, nineteen eighty-five. Okay, forty-seven point forty-seven point five million dollars was what he bid, and I think Paul might have did like forty-five or something. Like, you know, Dang. so that, you know, it just that's how that works. But uh, here's the thing, you know, I I I've spent so much time and money and and just my whole, but I they deserve it to me, and you know. I don't want it to come off this thing coming off as this totally opinionated, but it is. But if you realize the influence that mm-hmm. every band that you like now, not you personally, I'm just talking I mean, about the general public. Most of them, most of them, even the metal guys and even the, all of them, like not mm-hmm. all, of course, but see what you need is, innovators and the really a few bands have now moved up and changed music some more after this but for the longest time up until maybe recently we've stuck with what the beatles laid out for rock and roll bands yeah that's how you kind of do this and there hasn't been a lot of bands that have changed the style so 
once they do that, the Beatles might not be as relevant because we have, I mean, Nirvana changed music for people when, you know, that came out. Mm-hmm. So it happens and, and, you know, you get new generations of fans. And so they might not be the all time greatest band ever, but the fact is, is they're not overrated people. They've yeah. done so much trailblazing for everything that came after them. Well, and even they, even they took Elvis and they went from there and they, they changed it. Well, and even as solo artists too, they're there's they were still hugely influential. I mean, you look at the stuff that like John Lennon did as a solo artist. You know, you look at songs like Imagine and Woman mm. and Jealous Guy and Instant Karma and Give Peace a Chance, which I, if I remember, it wasn't Give Peace a Chance was released around the same time as Let It Be, right? Wasn't that yeah. roughly yeah. roughly the same time? Yeah. Where uh, sixty eight ish, sixty eight ish, because it was the the for peace thing that they were yeah, doing. Yeah, where John and Yoko spent what was it like a week or so in bed? Might have been like 68, 60, Yes, yeah. Yes. During one of Yoko's wonderfully uh, art concept ideas, um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and man, let me tell you, you know, I want to, I gotta mention this before we move on to Paul as a solo musician. Um, so uh, previously on. Uh, an episode on our channel, uh, Power Tripping Through the 80s, that Sean and Jason do. They got on the subject of Yoko Ono. And uh, they, they were talking about her singing voice. And uh, we'll just play a clip here to show you what they said. Uh, listen, I'm still trying to eradicate fucking Mr. T and his rap <laughs> song out of my head. I can't put Yoko Ono on top of that. It, it'll make my head explode. I, I have I, no doubt. For, from and this is not me being mean. This is me being a hundred percent serious. If you were to take your full size pickup truck mm-hmm. and run over and stop on the tail of a cat, <laughs> that is the exact sound you get out of Yoko Ono. And I am not exaggerating. <laughs> so I I don't necessarily disagree with sean right there because Uh, i've man i i tell you like god bless john for really trying to support his woman and his what she loves and really believing in her and i think that is a beautiful wonderful thing until you put the needle down on the record uh, like like i have the album double fantasy right it was an album it was john's last album and John's songs on Double Fantasy are beautiful. They are amazing. Only problem is Yoko has a song after every one of his songs. So yeah, listening to that. every other. So listening to that album is exhausting because I have to sit by the turntable. And when just like starting over ends, I got to pick the needle up, move it past the Yoko song, put the needle back. Like, I wouldn't even call what she does singing. She's just it's her screaming. Art for however long the song is like 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 i can't think of a better analogy that that sean had but like it's just it's painful to even listen to and maybe that's the point maybe that's maybe that's what she's going for i don't i don't know but she's still in her 70s or whatever does that beautiful ugly beautiful no and maybe But like, <clears throat> I don't even understand what she's trying to do. 
I don't um, get it. It's I don't get it. It's performance art. It's I performance guess. art. I guess. That's what it is. It's performance art. Yeah. And here's the thing. So they released, you know, they really uh, they recorded a whole bunch of songs for the double fantasy album, right? So yeah. they both did. They both did. And they get every other song. Which I don't know, would you have side note, would you have bought the would you have enjoyed the album and not listened to side two if you put all John's on one side and side two would be her? Yeah. Probably not. They knew that. And they knew right. that they weren't going to play two, you know, side two. So what they did, kind of what you can do if you'd like, there's an album with the songs that didn't make Double Fantasy, and one of them is Nobody Told Me, which is also a really oh, cool song that yeah. was recorded at the same time. <clears throat> so you can make your best 10 to 15 songs that you take down that came out right before that or after that that they put out with his songs that didn't go on to the mm-hmm. album. Which also has <laughs> "Grow Old with Me" on it, so yeah. there you go. "Grow Old with Me" is on there too, because that's just a basic studio cassette recorder. But they added some instruments to it. It sounds pretty nice. A lot of weddings were done with that. Yeah. I used to do weddings, and people were like, "Do you have that John Lennon song?" Yeah, but yeah, in my life, John Lennon as a Beatle has had more songs for me to play at weddings than any other uh, mm-hmm. Beatle has. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't oh, know yeah. why that is, but like, in yeah. my life, Twist in my and life shout. was huge. Twist and yeah. shout. Yeah, at weddings, uh, John always did better with his songs. I don't mm-hmm. know, slow and fast, slow and fast. Yeah. But then you go, you so, so <laughs> we can go on about John and Yoko for hours, but I'm not gonna. Um, we'll we'll end the Yoko thing, the the John and Yoko thing with uh, fuck Mark David Chapman. Um, the man that shot and killed him. What a piece of human garbage. But um, then you get on to Paul. And Paul, yes. Paul McCartney went on to do the band Wings with such yeah. stuff as uh, Silly Love Songs, uh, Band on the Run, Live and Let Die. Um, one of my favorites was uh, 19, was it 1985? Yes. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. such a jam. Nineteen hundred eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen hundred eighty-five. Um, and and in reality, Paul. Let him in. Yeah, Paul. For me, out of all four of them, Paul for me was the hit maker. He was the one who understood <laughs> how to make radio songs, and how to make pop yeah. songs, and how to make songs that everybody can sing along to that they're fun that they're boppy like john was more the art side which is awesome too there's nothing wrong with that um but as far as the two of them solo paul always resonated with me more just because i just i really liked his stuff like i do like a lot of john's stuff too but to me paul's is the more I don't want to say safe because that sounds like an insult, but it's like, you know, when Paul puts an album out, it's going to, you know, you're going to at least like a few songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you've come yeah. to expect a certain, a certain quality from him every time he although, puts something out. You know what I mean? <clears throat> although he changes every once in a while, he doesn't mm-hmm. have a very good sense of, a melodic structure and where we think the song should go, which makes it the melody come through to us easier. He has an easier melody with John. 
he would kind of do kind of some changing, you know, like I said earlier, yeah. with time changes and stuff. There you go. One of the songs right there is all you need is love is John, but it's such a time changer mm-hmm. and it's such a different sounding song that he was so experimental. So I feel like too, like he was the experimental guy yeah. and then we played it safe for the hits. And he was a cute one, and so he got the hits. No, they both had hits. Well, the, I mean, they nothing, all had hits. They well, all had hits. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I've never been a person that thinks no. a hit is a bad thing. Um, I, I think, you know, if you wouldn't have had Paul in the band or John, either one of them, if either of them wouldn't have been in the band, I don't think the band would have gotten to the level they did. Because those two together... It's a give and brought, take. Yeah, they brought out such magic with each other. But... Also proved they could do it on their own. You know, I mean, Paul to this day is still touring. Paul to this day is still putting out new albums. Um, I'd like to think John would have been too if John would have not been murdered. Um, Probably not as much, but yeah, John would have probably went around the would have went the way of that George Harrison did, and even George Harrison's solo stuff is great. Um, Is I mean, his first album, All Things Must Pass, was a triple record. George is like, well, the Beatles are over. Here's three albums. Like, really? There's songs that <laughs> I didn't get to put on Beatles albums. Three right. or four of them songs I know there's demos of that were supposed to, you know, hopefully maybe be Beatles songs. Yeah, like, isn't it, isn't, it a, so, isn't it a pity, my isn't sweet it lord? Isn't it a pity, yeah. Uh, what is life? Um, mm-hmm. And I remember my sweet lord, um, what's the song that it sounds like by... Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Be my, my sweet, baby by the run. Thank you. That he bought the right. Yes. Yes. He, he bought the publishing to that song. So he didn't have to pay for using the melody in that no. song. Yeah. I think you might be wrong. I think no, you're wrong no, about that, that. No, he did that. I read an article about it that like, no, he, I, I thought that he got sued for it though. I thought he got sued. He did. He, it, 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 after it, he got sued. Yeah. Yeah, after he bought yeah. it after he got sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they they came yeah, after sense. him, and he's like, "I've got a solution." And so, <laughs> I just but, buy it. Right, I just buy it. Right. Um, but you know, all things must pass was a great album, and so yeah. was um. I really liked uh, Cloud Nine a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dark Horse was yeah. another one. Like, and and mm. George, and it's really interesting when you listen to them all solo you kind of see what each one of them brought to the band with the other guys not there. You kind of get to see where their influences were that, you know, when you put all those together made up what Beatles stuff was. Cause even when you listen to Ringo's solo stuff and Ringo's had some great solo stuff too. Um, Photograph is an awesome song. Uh, It don't come easy is awesome. Uh, He wrote, isn't that the, that's the one he wrote with George, right? Is it don't come easy? Uh, I think George wrote that one. He yeah, yeah. produced it for sure. Yeah. Um, the no, no song, the no, no yeah. song. Yeah. Now, now, now Ringo stuff is definitely the more, um, I don't want to say silly. Cause again, that sounds like an insult. Like it's more carefree, I guess. And it's more yeah. like Ringo stuff. You can definitely tell that out of the four of them, Ringo was the one that contributed ideas to the already begun stuff. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, now that's, that, that's not know, a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Collaboration is important.
important. Um, but you can tell it, with Ringo's albums, a lot of other people wrote the hits that Ringo had, but mm-hmm. Ringo put his own flair into them and his own, what he thought belonged in the songs yes. that made those songs good. You know, um, his cover of the song, you're 16 is the version that I really liked, even though that yeah. song came out in the fifties, mm-hmm. his version of it. And as I recall, I really, I really wish I would have done some more research. Cause I'm thinking, I remember that it wasn't Paul or John that had the first number one as a Beatle. It was George or Ringo. And I can't remember which one it might've been Ringo. I can't um, remember. I could ask. Hold on. Hold hey, on. I, I got, I got the computer right here. I can look, hold on. Who first, had the first number one song with the Beatles solo? We're going to get oh. sued now. Uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand was the first number one song. I would just listen to her. Mom. I was saying for the solo, My Sweet Lord was the first solo oh, by a Beatles. Oh, oh, I thought you meant So Beatles it was song. George would have had the very... My, my, yeah. my Sweet Lord, though, was the first uh, solo number one by a Beatle. Wow. I thought it was George. I couldn't remember. But yeah, my sweet lord. I'm surprised so maybe I'm the first number one. I'm shocked that maybe I'm amazed wasn't a number one single. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. I mean, uh, I, that's that's amazing. Know, uh, like but also My Sweet Lord is a phenomenal song, so I get it. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I mean, and that yeah. album front to back, it's it's three records, but I don't feel like it. Yeah. It's such a yeah. good album with so many amazing guest stars and and all that mm. stuff. And while George had the shortest solo career, I think, didn't he? Or no, no. No, because Cloud Nine was after John. So the shortest. While, while John had the shortest solo career, uh, as far as time frame, I think George put out yeah. less albums, though. Like, George was no, around longer, jo- but, but John, I think, might have had more albums. Let me see. So I, I have John over there, but I don't really want to walk over there. But I can count the albums; cause they're all over there. But I don't remember. Uh, I think John probably put out like five albums, probably five or six albums. Oh, okay, five. Oh, yep. Yeah, George had you can't more count greatest hits. Yep, George did have yeah. more. I just looked. Okay, yeah. so scratch that. But it, it seems though, like George had less. I mean, it's because John had more hits. Um, out of his well, he stuff. wasn't really around as much. He was so uh, George was kind of like there was a few albums there that I even was thinking like, wow. I when I found them at the uh, a garage sale, they had like four or five of them. I'm like, I don't remember three of these. I don't remember that time period because there wasn't any hits, right? You know, uh, one is called uh, Going Tropico or something. And I'm like, what is what is that? Um. But he really didn't come back around until actually when George died, the album that he had with this song called All Those Years Ago, which was 1981 when this song came out by George. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful song. It's a song about his friend John oh, all wow. those years ago. And that was his first kind of big hit to come back from the 70s. And nah, didn't really have many hits. And then after that, he kind of gained steam, you know, and had a few hits here and there. And then got my mind set on you was a big hit. That was a great know, cover, and, though. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it was. When we was fab was a good song. There's he had some good songs in the late seventies too. I don't think that the <laughs> mid seventies treated George well, even though no. Well, he was going through an addiction too. I 
I hear so and, and George, uh, allegedly. George didn't play live much either because I know he had a lot of struggles with his voice and that mm-hmm. touring would just would have been really hard for him. So I think that might have hindered him a little bit too, because especially back then, if you didn't tour a lot, like it was hard to get albums off the ground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays yeah. that doesn't even matter. But like yeah. back like back then though, like George wasn't able to play live a lot. And John never did. John never toured. Yeah. Like he had there's yeah. a couple live <laughs> concerts he did, but he never like Paul and Ringo are the only ones that toured and still do. Ringo's about to go yeah, back yeah. on the road right now. They just made a big press release about the all-star band. And he's going back on the road with him and Colin Hay and Steve Lukather and uh, Edgar Winter and, you know, his all-star band, which is all. I want to see that at least once. It looks so fun. Do you um, realize that Do you realize that Ringo is 80 years old? He's the oldest member, right? Old. He's the oldest member, yeah. right? He's, yeah. he's born 19. Yeah, him and George are, the, I mean, sorry, him and uh, John were born in the same year, but Ringo was born uh, earlier Paul in the year. Was, Paul was so the youngest, he, they right? Were both, no, George was the youngest. Okay. George was born in 1942 or three, and then Paul was 42. So it's, yeah. And, gotcha. and yeah, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. 44 to 142, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you think what happened if if they were all to stay alive? Would there be a reunion by by this time? I think so. I think I really do, especially especially when they did that whole Grammy salute to the Beatles special and all that stuff. I think it would have happened. Would it? Would they have done a like tours and stuff? I don't think so. I think we might have got a new album at one point because right before John died, him and Paul had made up and become friends again and were hanging yeah. out and they just weren't telling people because they didn't want people to think, you know, Oh my God, the Beatles are going to get back together and blah, blah, blah. But right, it's right. funny because if I remember my, my Beatles history, right. When Lauren Michaels went on Saturday night live and made the offer for the Beatles to, to come, John and Paul were hanging out when that happened. And they're like, almost thinking about doing it. Wouldn't they like? Wouldn't it be funny if we just showed up? They didn't because uh, Lauren but... Michaels, Lauren Michaels <laughs> off, offered them a million dollars. Yeah, he, it was so cool at the beginning of the show. Yeah, he held up a, a check for a million dollars and said, "In a real one, like, it, was a, it was a real check." <laughs> like, here's a million dollars. Was it a real check? I don't remember. Yeah. But it probably yeah, it was. was. I don't remember, yeah. but I remember him holding the check. It was, and I think it was yeah. because he knew there's no way in hell it was going to happen. So it was just funny. But they're like, Let's <clears throat> I remember reading the thing where they were like, yeah, maybe we should, you know, we're thinking about actually doing that. Uh, yeah. I've and then they're like, like, they laughed about it for a minute and they're like, yeah, no. But like, and I get it though, because at the end of the day, the friendship is more important than a band. And mm-hmm. the fact that they rekindled the friendship they had is, you know, from back then, you don't want to yeah. bring the band back and risk ruining that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it is wonderful that they were able to be cool after, after all that, because there was some time that John and Paul were not okay with each other and they were writing songs at yeah. each other. And, you know, like 
he wrote let paul wrote let me roll it uh, john did how do you sleep like and it's just like it, it was before the east coast west coast rap battles we had we had john lennon and paul mccartney having song battles at each other yeah um but i would put them lennon mccartney just to kind of put a bow on the episode i i would put them as probably in my opinion one of the greatest songwriting teams that ever existed ever yeah because and again not because all their stuff is the greatest music ever written but because of what they achieved with it because of how much it influenced a world of musicians you know what i mean yes yes what um what i would like to say about that to wrap you know wrap it up for me is that Mm -hmm. of course people have opinions and i totally sure. agree with everybody and that's what our opinion. episode is all just opinion. opinions too that's just all, it's all ours about is too. opinions yep. it really is all about opinions it really yep. is and it's just we're doing this episode on the people that love the beatles um and it's not to criticize people that don't no you know even though those people are crazy or whatever but it doesn't matter <laughs> i'm just joking right now i just play you guys just don't know you guys just don't know you gotta delve but I do understand that people have different opinions and different, mm-hmm. but I just got to say the influence that they had on people like me, mm-hmm. like you, like everybody that loves the Beatles, the influence and the love that you know that I would say probably 65% of the world when they had that Desert Island album would probably want a Beatles out if they're in that generation <laughs> of the Beatles. Yeah. Um, if they're into Nine Inch Nails or whatever, that's cool too. But I mean, I feel like um, the music just brings so much joy to people that uh, that that's why um, I don't know. It's hard. Trent was also it a big. Me Trent out. Reznor was a big Beatles Trent, fan too. Trent Reznor, yes, for sure. But what I just wanted to say was that <laughs> when it comes to like, you know, Trent was influenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody was influenced. So I don't know. I'll I'll just wrap it up saying that, you know, I understand people have different opinions and this is just ours. And we, uh, we just understand that, you know, Beatles changed my life too. You know, like Mm -hmm. growing up and music was very important to me because, you know, I was kind of a loner and that kind of stuff. And the Beatles were really, so that's why I got a little, I was going to get emotional there for a second because Michael and the Beatles, those both, those, you know, artists were to me like, that helped me, you know, yeah. people growing up and needed going through their childhood and all that stuff. Yeah. And whatever music does to you, music did that for me and whoever mm-hmm. I am today, you know, you know, was partially because that was part of my background my whole life. And yeah. that just, I'm so happy about that. I think I'd like to end by recommending two albums that I think it, if you're not really into their stuff or maybe you haven't really explored it as much to really know like i and i and i know you'll you'll agree with these two albums um because we think the same um i think if you want to try diving back in and really listen really listening to what they're doing go back and get rubber soul and revolver those Mm -hmm. two albums uh, were were yes were there's rubber soul <laughs> for those watching in the videos and there's revolver yeah, here's revolver for those for the like 
there's two eras of the Beatles, right? There's your mop yes. top pop be- pop album Beatles, and then there's your yes. psychedelic era and your more experimental. Rubber Soul and Revolver yes. was the bridge between those. Right there in the middle. Yeah. Right there in the middle. Because yes, right, after that, over, like... right after that came Sgt. Pepper, you know. But I think those two albums are phenomenal examples of one of what every of every band member brings to the table because they all have huge singles off of them. Because we okay. got you got Taxman from George, you've got Yellow Submarine from yes. Ringo, you've got In My Life from John, you've got uh um, Ted Rubber Soul. Yeah, oh, I'm just saying about the, right? the two. Yeah, yeah. Oh my uh, god, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've for got sure. and you've got Got to Get You Into My Life, you've got Good Day Sunshine, you got you so many big songs. Drive my car, Norwegian Wood, No War Man, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, yeah. um, I gotta just keep you know, one more. T- I mean, you did say a lot of them. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I want you know, and of course, tomorrow never knows. Whatever. Yeah. Here's the thing, too. I gotta say this because this is what I was thinking, and I don't know if I heard something and I've kind of just embellished it. But here's the thing about the Beatles with this period of time: Rubber Soul is when they met Bob Dylan. Right, mm-hmm. revolver is when they smoke pot with Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. There mm-hmm. you go. There you go. And, you go. And, and, it's, and if you know, if you can understand that, that's what that. If that's if you can understand the meaning of what I just told you, that that is the case. That is oh the case yeah, and especially sure. when you listen to the records, knowing that you hear it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think about it. Think about it. He was so influenced, John especially. I feel like John John's album was Rubber Soul because all those mm-hmm. acoustic songs, he had Girl, he had In My Life, he had Norwegian Wood. He had a whole bunch of acoustic, very nice melodic songs. And that mm-hmm. was, seriously, that's when he met Bob Dylan, right around 65. And that's mm-hmm. when he started doing more of the acoustic songs and stuff like that, yeah. like, like those songs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's why I say that because I think it's funny, but... It's also true. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up today. We hope you enjoyed listening to our opinions on Beatles stuff. And like we were saying, nothing we're saying is factual. It's just what we think. Mm -hmm. It's how we feel about it. Yes. Um, Both being very passionate music fans ourselves. It's I enjoy having conversations like this personally. And I hope everybody listening enjoys it too. We're just like talking. We just right. do this talk thing and we just record it. That's pretty much what right. we're doing. We hit record and say, let's talk about this. And then we just do. We do this on the <laughs> daily. So we don't even, I mean, we're recording right now, but we do this all the time. <laughs> right. It's not like we're even making anything up early. Like, right. we're like, what are we going right. to talk about today? Okay, cool. Let's go. Um, yeah. So let's do that. Yeah. But also, I want to let you know uh, we're going to be posting it on uh, the PFC Entertainment Network page. We soon have our very own store coming. Which will have hanging with the hitman merchandise you can get for yourself, t-shirts, hats, you know, bobbleheads. I don't know, no, not really, but can you imagine? That'd be but cool. like, That'd be I know, cool. right? But uh, but definitely t-shirts, Funkos, right? We need a hitman Funko, I'm telling you. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> keep a lookout for that soon. Some really fun stuff coming um, with some slogans that we use and some like segment stuff and just some really cool stuff coming. So keep an eye out for that yeah. too. And uh, we hope everybody has a fantastic week. And uh, we will to catch you all next Monday uh, for another episode of Hanging with the Hitman. So until then, I am Todd Gilbert. I am Brad Forty, the Hitman.
And we will see you all on the flip side. Toodles. We're all looking for ways to stay motivated, to stay inspired, to stay real. That's why I tune in to the Klaus and Q show every month over on Orion Neighborhood Television. Once a month, Jason Klaus and Quadell Edwards tackle a topic to look at the silver lining in life and how we can be better people for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. So check them out. You can see them live once a month over on the ONTV Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Orion ONTV. All shows begin at six o'clock and you can catch them on the following dates. Friday, May the 12th, June the 16th, July the 14th, and August the 11th. For all the latest information, dates, showtimes, Head on over to the Klaus and Q page over on Facebook or KlausToTheHeart.net. It's the Klaus and Q Show on Orient Neighborhood Television.